Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and myself continue our discussion on justification, looking at an Old Testament passage in Habakkuk. Welcome to Being Lutheran. I'm Pastor Brett Bow, and I have with me Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brian Rickey. Right, and we're continuing to do Bible study episodes yeah. on, on justification. justification. Yes, the, nothing the, better the, to talk the about. The verses that are kind of justify-y. justify. Yeah, right. That, that's Jason's <laughs> justification-y. Term. Yeah, just, right. justification-y. justification-y. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, so we're look, we're talking looking at justification-y yeah. verses. In the <laughs> <Yeah. Old> Testament. <laughs> exactly. It's perfect. Right. It's, it'll be the new. Yeah, I was going to say is it Habakkuk, Habakkuk. 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 Yeah. Habakkuk. More, the most K's in one word you'll ever find. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So I, I think a good uh, way to maybe get into this is like, why, mm-hmm. why this verse? I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's, a, there's a lot of other verses in the Old Testament that really point to it. Why, why Habakkuk? Mm-hmm. This is the verse of the Reformation. The Reformation doesn't happen Ooh. without this verse. Yeah. This is, oh. When Luther rediscovered the gospel, yes. he was reading this verse mm-hmm. and wrestling with it being quoted in Romans chapter one. Did he say, yeah. was it this verse or the Ro- or was he reading? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but so Luther's hang up as a Catholic monk in you, you, Habakkuk 2.4, the righteous shall live by his faith. Mm-hmm. Um, Luther's hang up was, he thought this was God's demand of us being righteous mm-hmm. instead of God's gift of us being righteous. Yeah. Yep. And, and then he writes that uh, it was like the scales falling off his eyes or his ears. Mm-hmm. The from when, faith for faith verse in Romans. Yep. Yeah. And so this is the verse. And mm-hmm. what's really interesting about the original context, so Luther's dealing with the quote of this verse in Romans chapter one and wrestling with the excellent, deep, articulate theology of Romans, which we're going to get to, mm-hmm. but the the context of the original verse as delivered by God to Habakkuk is perfect for talking about justifying faith. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely perfect. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's going to come full circle. But in reality, there is no Lutheran Reformation or no Protestant Refor- Reformation without Habakkuk 2.4 being quoted in Romans yep. and Luther uh, as a monk wrestling with it. And it's, there's, there's kind of this adage or this cliche that uh, none of the Reformation would have happened if the Roman Catholic Church hadn't put Luther in charge of lecturing on scripture. And in mm-hmm. that Luther was a student of the Bible mm-hmm. and came to this and the Roman Catholic uses verses like this to hold people prisoner mm-hmm. uh, because it's the righteousness God demands. And Luther realized it's the righteousness that God grants mm-hmm. for the sake of Christ. Demands, yeah. yes, but also grants. Well, yeah. demands, right. but yeah. it's not righteousness we can produce inside exactly. of ourselves. Right. Yes. Right. It's the source. It's, Where mm-hmm. does it come from? Yep. Extra nos. Yes. Ooh. Ooh, look at that. Thank you, Flame. Yes. Appreciate yeah. it. Imputation or infusion? Double imputation, substitutionary, vicarious atonement, all that fun stuff. So, Brett, you can read these four verses and we'll jump right into it. Yeah. And, you know, as you talk about that, it's <laughs> Habakkuk is one of the probably harder books of the Bible to actually locate. Oh. <laughs> I'm thinking of, I've, I know I've helped a number of people find it in the Bible when I've 
talked about Habakkuk with Isaiah, my people. Jeremiah, Daniel, yeah, right. Hosea, it's a launch into singing Joel, songs. Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, and Habakkuk. So there mm-hmm. we go. I have to start. It's like the alphabet. Yeah. You have to start at the beginning. And yep. so we have the Sunday school song that we learned growing up that goes through Genesis all the way. And that's how I cannot recite the books of the yep. Bible in order without aid of that melody. Right. So. Yep. <laughs> Good. All right, so we're in. We're laughing at me. Yeah. Thank you, Sunday school teacher. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. You faithful thank you. Sunday school teachers in your vocation. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you very much. Uh, good. So Habakkuk two, two. I'm going to read two through five, and it says this. And the Lord answered me, "Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end; it will not lie." If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. Here ends the reading. Amen. Amen. Man. So mm-hmm. the book of Habakkuk is absolutely mm-hmm. fascinating to yes. me. I love it. I love to talk about it. We're currently doing a Bible study on the minor prophets in my church, and I cannot mm-hmm. wait mm-hmm. to get to Habakkuk. We're Good. on Amos right now. I actually um, preached a series mm-hmm. through the 12 minor prophets yeah. and hate to call them minor because they're not. Right. Just, no, but, I call them the less significant prophets. <laughs> yeah. The 12. Yeah. Um, but I did 12. a sermon per, actually it was really good for me. I did like a sermon per writer. Oh, that wow. was. Mm-hmm. How do you do one sermon on Amos? Um, I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or uh, Zechariah. <laughs> it was good. The one resource that was extremely helpful was the literary study Bible mm. that really broke down just the content of mm-hmm. what's in the book and didn't really necessarily get off on any systematic thing, but just this mm-hmm. is the theme of the book. And mm-hmm. that helped me a lot. But yeah, there was some mm-hmm. that were harder, i.e. more like, difficult. Daniel, I mean. Oh, you know, yeah, that, right. That was tough. And There's a lot to preach on. Yeah, and oh. Zach, Zechariah, Ufta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But it was good because... Um, it helped me to focus on, again, the central theme of the book. And that's what emerged from Habakkuk was that. And I just really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. So. so, yeah, when I've taught Habakkuk in the past or I've preached or alluded to Habakkuk, the, the theme of Habakkuk that I give Getting is, visions from the Lord? Uh, no. Actually, <laughs> the way I describe it is what gives. Hmm. And mm-hmm. the entire book of Habakkuk is a protest by Habakkuk mm-hmm. to God uh, in light of the invading Babylonian army. Mm-hmm. That's the context of Babylon or uh, of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk basically says in chapter one, hey, God, how could you do this? How could you use this pagan, godless nation to invade Jerusalem? How could you mm-hmm. let this happen? And the amazing thing about studying Habakkuk from a bird's eye view is that God sovereignly uses Babylon, just as he used Assyria with the Northern kingdom. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of Amos. But he uses Babylon to judge his people Mm -hmm. for their faithlessness. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going on. And then God in his majesty and in his sovereignty Mm -hmm. judges Babylon for invading 
yeah. Jerusalem. Right. And it's just like, yeah. mind blown. Yeah. And, and, and he's just honoring the promise made to Abraham. I will bless those who bless and curse mm-hmm. those who curse. So it's like, if you read through Daniel and uh, all of the judgments on Nebuchadnezzar mm-hmm. and then Belshazzar yep. later on, that is God judging Babylon for judging And I think the mm-hmm. writing was on Judah. the wall. What do you guys think? <laughs> yeah, the writing was definitely on nah. the wall. I see what you did there. <laughs> so many puns. Yeah, that 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 there. Was that you're, Daniel you're 6? You're so funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but so in response to that, yeah. in response, so the actually the first big piece of theology we need to pull out of Habakkuk is complain to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, there Which is... is, is uh, it's apropos to what's happening in our world today. Yeah. Um, there's this mm-hmm. in, in American Christianity and in, in, in especially in more of the conservative end of the church, there's this, this false notion that we have to be breathlessly reserved or even positive to the events in our life. And, and we, we have these plaudits that like, well, God knows what he's doing. You know, or he has a lesson to teach you, or He's in control. all of these things. God is in control, and it denies that when God judges, there's actual judgment. It's actual painful. It's actually uncomfortable. Yeah. And what we see in Scripture isn't a resigned stoicism to God's activity in the world. It's raw emotion. I think one of the best questions we could ever ask is, God, what do you want to teach me through this? You know, and not that you know, I don't want to minimize the tragedy that happens around us or in or in life, but we've talked about this a little bit last episode. It's that God isn't surprised by any of these events, and he's made provision, again, for us to be and become a part of God's desired solution as the body of Christ. Well, even beyond that, though, you look like, you, you look at like David in Psalm 13, you know, and, and I'm, a, I'm a pretty big fan of Psalm 13. We have mm-hmm. mutual friend Jeremy Erickson wrote yeah. a, 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 a song to that that we really appreciate, but it's how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? Mm-hmm. You know, the way I was raised, and I don't know if you have similar, but the way I was raised, that would have been like the height of impiety to pray that prayer to God. You know, mm-hmm. you, would, you would have had all of these empty sort of, you know, counsels from people that, well, God hasn't forgotten you. Well, how dare God, you say that? Yeah, God knows what's going on. And, and David... And, and the other psalmists and the prophets repeatedly unleash on God, mm. and God can take it. He's not going now, anywhere. <laughs> he, he doesn't tolerate blasphemy, but he would rather you pour out your doubts and your fears and your anxieties on him, which he calls us to do in prayer, yeah. than have you internalize them or moralize them or do anything else, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. then he responds. Even Job who by the time you get to Job 39 and 40 or 38 and 39, whenever God shows up and, and does his thing, mm. Job's probably at that point been committing sin for some time and complaining about his status. What you know, he, the, the first couple chapters, we have the commentary, and in all this, Job did not sin. And, and that's something considering he lost everything and yeah. then lost his health. But, but by, you know, Job 35 or whatever, Job's ready to stand on his absolute innocence and, and, and pride has taken over. Mm-hmm. And God shows up after Job demands an audience for God. And that's the other thing. If you demand a God, an audience for God, with God, you might get it. Mm-hmm. And, and God leans over. You kind of get this 
this impression of him putting his hands behind his back and leaning over and looking Joel in, or Job in the eye. And he says, dress for action like a man. And I will ask you, and you tell me. And, Pull up your pants. I got some yeah, questions for well, you. <laughs> I, I, I preached on that passage last year. And I was like, what is your response when God looks at you and says, put your man pants on. We need to talk. Exactly. And God corrects Job. God rebukes Job. And then God forgives Job and restores Job. Well, and Job's response should be ours. I cover my mouth and I will speak no more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought about what you said, that even though you know, as we go to God and we can pour out, out our hearts to him, I love what Psalm 56 says where it says, you have kept count of my tossings and turnings. Mm-hmm. Um, you have put my tears in your bottle. They are in, mm-hmm. are they not in your book? Meaning they are. Yeah. And so God already knows these things and he's not shaken by us pouring it out. I think a lot of times when we don't do that, it ends up manifesting itself in really negative ways. Mm-hmm. And God knows mm-hmm. this about it yeah. and he can take it. There's a lot of people in our lives that can't because of the way that we might you know, mm-hmm. want to vent or the way that we might want to come out. But this is one way for us to process mm-hmm. uh, God's sanctification, you know, in our life, vocation, if you will, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a healthy thing that we don't talk enough about in the church. Yeah, it's it's healthy uh, and it's healthy and just to keep us from doing something unhealthy by keeping it in and letting it turn into bitterness mm-hmm. or anger. Yeah. Passive aggressive right. attitude, well, mindset. Yeah. <laughs> but each and every time... You, Following this train of thought, if you read Job 3, Job 3 is a far cry away from Job 1. Yeah. Because God interacted with Job and gave him the gospel Mm -hmm. and and, and said, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. What God wants to see is repentance. God doesn't Mm -hmm. actually want to carry out any of this judgment on people. He wants people to repent. So it's in the midst of this, in Job chapter 1, or in Habakkuk chapter 1, sorry, uh, Habakkuk pours out his complaint. And then in Habakkuk chapter two, we have this passage where this is the vision. This is what it's going to look like. Uh, The righteous one in the midst of all of this will live by his faith. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we've been talking about all the way through the catechisms and now into Mm -hmm. the Oxford Confession is our Christian life is lived Mm -hmm. in the reality of the assurance of salvation. No matter what happens... No matter how you suffer, no matter what mm-hmm. lack you experience, no matter how much doubt and turmoil, no matter if everything's coming up, blowing up in your face, mm-hmm. you stand before God as righteous because that mm-hmm. is the declaration that he has made in his own courtroom mm-hmm. from his own justice. It's, it's really keeping that eternal perspective on mm-hmm. things, isn't it? Oh. You know, um, if you think about it, it's being in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. It's that differentiation yeah. that we hear uh, from our Lord and Savior. Our citizenship was at Philippians. Our citizenship yeah. is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And far too often, I think where Christians go off the rails is that we want to take citizenship here on earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We think that we're, that this place is a little too important yeah. sometimes. We're worried you know. about the here and the now. Right. And, or we want to make what's true in heaven true here on earth. Or or just when when this world takes primacy of place in mm-hmm. our minds and in our hearts, yeah. fear and anxiety take over. We start to worry about our own rights instead of love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Uh all we have left to do because of the gospel is love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something. I, I'm going to 
I want. I, I think it's important to state this, and and I'm just I'm going to be as gent, gentle as I can, but I want to prepare the listener that it's probably not going to be something fun to hear. Yeah. <laughs> but if if we really understand as believers in Christ Jesus. What we deserve, even as Christian Americans, what we truly deserve is eternal punishment, period. Mm-hmm. And that's it. The wages of sin is death. We quote that verse all the time, but I don't know that we really take it to heart. We don't deserve anything as Christians except eternal punishment, period. Mm-hmm. When we start to kind of have this entitled mentality that we deserve the constitutional statements, that we deserve these things, those things are blessings, but we don't deserve them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's... And there's a lot of nuance to unpack there. As Christians, we don't deserve them. As citizens, which is also a part of God's created order mm-hmm. and his, his first article blessings, you know, what we're talking about with the creed, we have them. Yep. And so we're, we're, we're not telling Christians to run headlong into martyrdom. No. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not telling Christians to allow themselves to be walked all over and taken advantage of. What we're asking is what God has commanded in the law is that Christians in all of this love their neighbors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and if we understand us as, as in a sense, aliens and ambassadors, mm-hmm. we don't belong to this world. Yeah. We belong to the eternal kingdom of God, the unshakable kingdom, the writer of Hebrews talks about. So we begin there. Sure. God has called us to be in America and we have the rights and, and, mm-hmm. and all of that, that is part of America, but we don't start there. Yeah. No, we we, st- we yep. start with what we deserve. Yeah. We start with where do we belong? Where's our identity? And our de- our identity is in that mm-hmm. eternal kingdom of God. And so we start there where the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, where we understand that our identity is totally and entirely in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And then from there we go, okay, yep. as a Christian, as an ambassador, how then do I use the constitution in a way that glorifies Christ, not mm-hmm. my opinion or my ideology coming first. What comes first mm-hmm. is humility before the living God and the true King in which is the King of our kingdom. Right. Well, and that, that identity is given to us here by calling us the righteous. The righteous one mm-hmm. will live by his faith. And, and it's, we have those things with eternity on our mind because of our justification, we also take the blessings, the rights and the privileges we've been afforded by God and his grace. And we use those to love our neighbor, but not from a point of saying, Hey, I deserve these. No. And, And it's always with eternity in mind and it's always in humility. Yes. Because we're capable of sinning. And, and it's when we lose sight of that, Mm When we lose sight of our sin and we lose sight of our eternities, that we lose sight of our neighbors and we become the most important person in our lives. And I think that's where sometimes if we allow our American patriotism mm-hmm. to supersede our identity in the eternal mm-hmm. kingdom of Christ, that's the danger I'm speaking yeah. of. And mm-hmm. I think that's what really what Israel fell into, and that's what's being addressed mm-hmm. here. It's mm-hmm. like, we're Israel. Nothing's going to come against us. I mean, Jeremiah kept prophesying over and over and over and like, what you're saying is not true. These things aren't going to happen to us. And they were so deluded in this nationalistic um, promise that we were seeds of Abraham and that this can't happen to us. Mm -hmm. And they allowed it to totally get twisted. And it's like, no, this is going to happen. And I'm going to use a foreign nation because God disciplined those whom he loves. Mm -hmm. And man, I don't know 
a more appropriate message for America than the one that Habakkuk brought forth to the children of Israel. Mm -hmm. A puffed up, swelled up pride. I mean, man, we see that on a daily basis. I have this swelled up, puffed up pride when God really wants to birth humility, gratitude, and a healthy fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and those two things are said in contrast with each other in verse 4. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It's not upright within him, but the righteous, mm-hmm. as opposed to that, shall live by his faith. Amen. Um, and and our, the way we live in response to the righteousness that God has worked into us is by faith or faithfulness. Um, and, and maybe there's something that needs to be said here. And, and I'm trying, I'm, I'm putting forward <laughs> effort to try to express this yeah. and not be a heretic. But I think there's this concept in American Christianity of this, we walk by faith and not by sight. And it ends up being a blind fatalistic trust in God's sovereignty, hmm. which is okay. God is sovereign. But faith isn't blind trust. It's, it's, I think we've let the secularists define mm-hmm. what it is. Faith is a gift from God that is born out of the experience that God has demonstrated what his character is and mm-hmm. has proved it by his actions. Amen. So when we say the righteous shall live by faith, the righteous is righteous because God sent his one and only son to die on the cross for our Mm -hmm. sins. The righteous lives by faith because God's default position in his character is one of mercy and not of judgment. The righteous live by faith because we are confident God is not cruel and capricious, but that he is loving and providing. Mm -hmm. And and so the, the kind of the filler verse that I'm thinking for the righteous shall live by faith is going to Romans, Mm -hmm. but going to Romans 8 that says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not continue to give us all things? And and it's that living by faith Mm -hmm. that allows us with tears and with trembling to pray that God would spare the life and heal a loved one dying of cancer. Mm -hmm. But it's also the faith that allows us when that loved one dies and is ushered into eternity, recognizing that God still answered that prayer. Yeah. And sometimes the healing that, that God promised that by his stripes we are healed, it's not always on this side of oh. heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, that healing will come, but it will come according to God's yeah. justness and his timing, you know. And so the righteous living by faith during times of judgment, during times of tragedy, is yes, acknowledging that God is in charge, but acknowledging that the God is in charge is the one who has washed you from your sins by the blood of his own son. Mm-hmm. That is what God is encouraging Habakkuk to, mm-hmm. which in return Habakkuk responds with the praise and the assurance of chapter 3, especially mm-hmm. the end of Habakkuk 3. Yeah. That is what God calls us to. Yeah. You know, Perfect context, middle of Minneapolis with the riots, and the racial tension and unrest because of George Floyd's murder, Mm -hmm. and then the violence that has erupted after the riots, uh, and all of the uncertainty in the world. God calls us to have the defining characteristic of our lives be the gospel reality we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amen. Well, I think an appropriate text is uh, found in Romans 5, uh, verses uh, 1 through 5. 
Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance um, produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as we continue our discussion on justification, looking at a few New Testament passages. God bless you and have a great week.